This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. If you have just changed the dial and are just now joining us, you are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. And this is Meanwhile in Memphis, um, brought to you by New Memphis. See how many times I can say Memphis in one sentence. So good morning. Happy Tuesday after Labor Day. I hope everybody had a lovely three-day weekend for those who were able to take off. I am joined in the studio by my friend and colleague, Laura Beth Davis. Good morning. And for those who do not know, I am Anna Thompson, otherwise known as AT. And we have a really exciting episode for you today. But first, before we get started, Laura Beth and I are going to reminisce a little bit about our our three-day weekend. So you headed west, did you not, Laura Beth? Yes, I headed out to Hot Springs. It's a place we go often. In-laws live there, and my kids love it. And uh, it's, you know, short Three and a half, yeah, four-hour sure, drive. Little jaunt over to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So, what are what are some of your favorite things to do over in Hot Springs? I feel this like time of year, anyway. Everybody asks me this, and oh, sorry, it, no, no, no. <laughs> but it it always has me questioning my life because it usually starts with Superior Brewery. Okay, um, because I do like their beer. Okay, um, and my kids just like walking around downtown. The main, yeah, the main like. Strip. Yes, yeah. the main strip. They love that. Uh, there's a lot of cheesy things that kids can do, but it's uh, it's a cute little yeah. downtown area. My my kids love it. Um, but the we bathhouses. Yeah, the bat. Yeah, and they have several lakes like Lake Wachita and Lake Hamilton. Um, yes, and a couple others that we always spend time. So like they like to fish and and just float and swim and um, enjoy nature and just also the the downtown area is super vibrant and. Um, they always have something fun going on. So, and we always stop through uh, Little Rock, and we'll pop into Little Rock and have lunch, or you know, a late afternoon lunch, yes. or, or early dinner when we're going, going there. So, it's always have fun. you ever been swimming um, at? Is Lake Wachita really, really cold? I think. Uh, I mean, I think it's known for. Being the largest okay. freshwater, uh, there's something, there's something there. There's but something not, it's known for, but yes. we just don't know what, dear listener. Um, and I, so, a few weeks ago, I actually went on a girls' trip to Lake Hamilton, and we took the boat and we drove to the dam. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, any listeners, you can um, email us at info at newmemphis.org. But I believe it's the dam where Washita like spills into, or like would spill into Lake Hamilton, okay. and the water's freezing. And so we did like an equivalent of like a polar bear plant in August and it stuns you well I'm sure it was welcomed though with I the, mean, the heat it, we have but like truly I I was not going to take a noodle or like a life jacket and I was just going to jump because it's you know right there and they were like no you're going to you're going to want one of those and it's because you like your body like forgets how to swim to really? the surface it's so cold it's really sobering <laughs> yes. experience and which is what I needed that morning when I was there I did tell you it was a, it was a girl's trip um, but we have a really exciting post-Labor Day treat for you. Um, We will have Lauren Young, who is the owner and founder of Sweet Lala's Bakery. She will be in the studio with us this morning, and Laura Beth is going to read a little bit more about Lauren Young for those who might not know. Yes. Uh, Lauren Wilson Young is a native Memphian and graduated from Vanderbilt University with a BS in English and early childhood education and earned her master's in special education. Lauren married her high school sweetheart, Tommy Young. They have three children, Stuart, Wilson, and Parker. 
Lauren taught special education for four years, then moved to Memphis and managed the Kimmons Wilson Family Foundation for 12 years. Lauren received local recognition for her efforts in juvenile justice reform, in addition to being named a top 40 under 40. In 2014, Lauren launched her own family business, Sweet Lala's Bakery, which supported the work to help kids get their lives back on track. Now, Sweet Lala's Bakery partners with a number of social enterprises and local entrepreneurs and lifts up the community through products of purpose while choosing to make life sweeter every day. Um, As Laura Beth said, she found a way to marry her two loves of baking and philanthropy. Yeah, philanthropy, which is really exciting. Um, I think she's going to take us through that journey. But... What was, do you remember your first experience with Sweet Lala's? I actually do. I was working at AutoZone. I think it was like 2018 or 2017. And we had a big event and we needed like a little treat for somebody to take, for the participants to take home. And Jill Colrain, um, she was, uh, she's still at mm-hmm. AutoZone and she found Sweet Lala's and they individually wrapped the cookies and they had our, they could do our colors. And mm-hmm. it was really exciting because at the time they were also uh, partnering still with GIF. So I think the GIF students actually made the cookies for us and individually wrapped them at the time. And so that was my first experience with Sweet Lala's and it was really kind of fun to kind of look back and see. I had no idea what they were at the time. But now knowing a little bit more of her story, it's really exciting. I know. No, I've, I've always supported because of the, the story first and foremost. But I can't remember any specific moment. I've I've just been... Uh, I like a, you're a big fan, though. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. There have been, there's so many times I've been in that store or placed an order for some reason or another or picked up cookies for myself or my kids. They, they They've all just merged into... Yes, just an overall affinity for yes. Sweet Lala's. She's which, not far from my house, so. Yes, it's it's a frequent stop yes. as well. And they have a much more than just cookies at mm-hmm. this current shop. It is a true bakery and coffee shop as well. Mm-hmm. And we are really excited to kind of dig in and learn more about Lauren and all of her efforts to um, make our community a little bit more sweet. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, dear listener, here's our conversation with Lauren Young. Well, welcome, Lauren. Welcome to our studio this morning. How are you doing? I'm great. It's great to be here. Good, good, good. We're very excited to have you. And for those who are just in our listening audience, she brought some sweet treats. So we are very excited to dig into those a little bit later, but I will withhold so you don't have to hear me munching on the radio. Um, So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know that's kind of an open-ended loaded question, but oh, if you sure. kind of, yes, the, the Spark Notes version of the Lauren Spark Young. The Spark Notes version is I'm born in Memphis um, to a wonderful family, Spence and Becky Wilson are my parents, and um, my larger family is now like 88 family members um, here just on my dad's side. So I'm through and through Memphis. I graduated from Rockcrest, um, went to Vanderbilt uh, and studied education and then uh, began to bake out of my house because I loved baking as something to do as my little downtime and married my high school sweetheart. So I have three children. Um, My oldest is in college and two are at St. George's and we um, have three dogs and two horses. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
a little bit of a full family that yeah. we're bringing into the fold, too. You have a lot going on. We do. Mm-hmm. We Busy do. days and weeks. Yes. Well, that's exciting. The first off to college. Yes, it was a journey for sure. Really proud of him. I definitely miss him because he's far in Ohio, but he's oh, wow. living his best life and doing great things. So is this his first fall, I guess? This is technically his second fall. He's a sophomore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But so it was a not, learning curve. Not quite as new, but yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, it's a learning curve to send them out on their own that way. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you said you went to school in Nashville for education, correct? Yes. So where was that like switch between, I think I'm going to pursue education as a career choice to, I think I'm actually going to lean more into what I do as my kind of side hustle, if you will. Yeah. As, as I, baking. Right. No, and I loved I loved teaching. I always knew I was going to be a teacher, so I was very driven uh, to find that career path and very grateful that Teach for America came along because I think they did such an amazing job to change the course for others who had not thought about teaching. And it also made me realize that you can change your careers, <laughs> you know, that they were recruiting some of the top talent across the country. I got to serve on the board for a while, um, but I love to bake and I wanted to find a way to intersect all of my passions into one thing. And when I had my firstborn, I decided that I maybe don't want to hang out with kids all day if I've had one at home. And so I did not foresee myself going back into teaching um, quite uh, as the next step and instead ended up getting a job with Youth Villages. And that was a very tough job. And I'm glad that I took it because it taught me a lot about the city of Memphis in much different way than I was raised because yeah. I was working with families in crisis and had a, at the time, beeper. We didn't have the phones. Yes, you know, yes, I had yes. a beeper, so I'd be on call on weekends. Wow. I'm um, servicing families. And so I started to realize that you could put your energy into spaces that were a little bit more creative for me. And uh, I didn't think that I'd get back to the classroom after that. So you said you were working at Youth Villages, and then that also, I think, led into some of the origin story for Sweet Lala's, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it did. It was, it's uh, what I, we call at our house, happy, sad moments, but we had some uh, great things that happened with Youth Villages. I've met some wonderful families, absolutely love how their training operates because we counseled in place in their homes, and so oh, it was something nice. that was really um a great model. Uh, they call it multi-systemic therapy, but you really get to know a family from what they're doing in the moment that they're doing it, and you meet on their terms. So you help them create goals to pathways forward. I think the hardship was that um, my personal situation is my car was stolen at gunpoint, and so I had a wrestling of fear at, that happened after that. Um, I was went on to have my firstborn but still struggled with a lot of anxiety that came out of that event and unfortunately you know became a victim at that point so I kind of had that victim mentality for a while which was debilitating in a lot of ways but also very motivating to figure out how was I going to move forward to not live my life in fear in that moment oh wow that's that's a lot A, a trauma event for sure it will spark that that like we talked about earlier that balance of like I want to be here for a minute. I need to like realize what actually happened to me and work work my way through it, but also like how do I change that? So, that's interesting. So, can you tell me a little bit more about the origin story of how you decided to move away from Youth Villages full-time and Bake. Yeah, so really the reality was my son arrived, and so I thought that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and then quickly learned I'm a restless mom at home. <laughs> so I started to, yeah. Yeah, started to bake cookies as kind of my therapy is what I always say. Baking became a true therapy for me. I would um, stay up late at night and just 
come up with different recipes and create new things. I was lucky enough in college to work at a bakery, so I also had this background that made me love a bakery family, just this mix of people that came from all walks of life that came together in the same purpose and had kind of cast vision that one day it would be cool to start my own bakery. I had no idea that I would actually do it, but yeah. it was really neat to see that I launched this family business kind of out of my house. Friends and family would um, ask me to bring the cookies. I became the cookie lady, you know, yeah. showing up to every party and they're like, hey, could you bring the cookies again? And finally, I realized I probably should start like trying to put a cost to some of this stuff to think about doing it more um, su- sustainably, I guess. Yeah. And meanwhile, I um, also am very involved in our family, and our family has been very involved in the city of Memphis and had this unique opportunity the way my heart is wired, having a teaching background, having worked at Youth Villages in this kind of counseling role, and then wanting to do philanthropy. So I was able to come into a space that was family business um, to manage our family foundation. And at the time, my grandparents were living. My Mimo had just passed away, I guess, um, maybe eight months or so before they brought me on board, but that kind of precipitated a reason that the foundation was going to need leadership in a different way than they'd been operating. And then my grandfather passed about a year and a half after as well. But it was really an inspiration for me to work. I was able to do that for 12 years and really learn the stories of my grandfather and who he touched. And then these unique uh, moments about my grandmother, we call her Mom. But her her passion for people and how the two of them really provided the city a long look of how they want the city to stay strong. And the work that I was able to do in that space really crafted the strength, I think, that I have now to run a business that's very difficult and demanding and a post-COVID season. All these things, it prepped me for kind of my next steps. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's really exciting. Your family has definitely left a, uh, a mark on our city uh, in many, many different sectors and ways. And it's exciting to see that passion when you talk about it and sure. the work there um, that everybody that I know in your family is bringing to all of their work. Yeah, it's really neat to see how our family has been able to um, all branch off and do things that they love. And I think that's what we would say my grandparents would be very excited about the fact that we weren't all trying to do one thing in the same way that they did it. It's kind of an evolution of every business that we've all launched is something that we really have a passion for. And I think that's what makes you love your work. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning of Sweet Lala's, um, can you talk about how GIF was incorporated into sure. all of that? So I was serving as the executive director for the foundation, and as most um, nonprofits often do, search for funding through the foundation process. Um, I was introduced to the work of GIF through Rick Carr, who founded the program, and I took the meeting and thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. I knew, he didn't fully know my story at the time, but I felt the tugging after having started to get to know the work of Jeff that maybe I should get a little bit closer because of my personal story. Um, Three teenagers were the ones involved in my car um, being taken. And so I felt that there was a missed opportunity. There was something going on in teenagers' lives that maybe they weren't feeling taken care of by their communities. If this was happening to someone who was pregnant, how little could you care for a life, you know, two lives, really? And I didn't think that that should be the story of these kids, that uh, I felt like there should be something more. And the work of Jeff was telling that story, was really saying, 
kids are making mistakes, kids are being brought into um, some negative spaces, but the kids don't want to give up on themselves and the community shouldn't give up on the kids. And so I joined the board, had no idea what joining a board meant. (laughs) (laughs) Really um, learned very quickly that it's much harder than anyone could imagine. Most people have that. Yeah. yeah, They're like, oh, I'm really excited. I'm passionate about something. So I'll join the board. And then it's like, whoa. Yeah. And you get into the weeds and you get in and you care so deeply for the organization to thrive and survive. And there was some stress around that because we also found that not many people in the city of Memphis love to talk about juvenile crime. And if you do, you know, you're kind of a downer at a party. So. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> see that that's not the best way to break the ice yeah. at, a, at a cocktail party Yeah, or yeah. Something. And I found people like floating around me and moving out of my space. And I thought, wow, there's got to be a better way because these kids are amazing when you get yeah. to know kids and their stories and they're human beings and they need to be cared for. So I had this um, kind of evolving idea of I can't make cookies anymore all the time because I'm raising now my second child, running a family business, and kept saying no to customers who wanted cookies, but I kept thinking there's got to be somebody who could make the cookies. And, and we'd leave the GIF board meetings, like, kids need jobs, you know, somebody's got to give these kids jobs. And turns out somebody was me. I <laughs> felt like there was a real calling into a space to say, don't just sit around a board table, go in and do something about this and get dirty and live into your fear because there is a lot of fear that still, you know, yeah. I wrestle with today. But the reality was, is I knew that there was a higher purpose for what we needed to be doing. So can I started talking to the board uh, that I was on and board members and started looking at the fact that the kitchen was really underutilized. And because of my space and nonprofit work, I knew that if I could create a lease agreement, then that would be direct program dollars that they could use. And I could take on the risk for all of the employment. So we weren't asking GIF to go out and fundraise for anything. It was really our family business saying, hey, we want to take a step into your space. We'll come up with fair pricing, come up with what we can do for employment. We'll share the kitchen manager. So Chef Cheryl was an amazing contact. She was already feeding the boys in program, but she was part-time, was really hoping to have full-time. GIF did need the burden of trying to fundraise. So a lot of things came together on paper. And then on December 1st of 2014, we were open for business. And it was this online, you know, launch. And I laughed because my first order was my cousin. And she said, how do I place an order? And I thought, oh, I don't even have an invoice. I don't know how to, I don't know how you place an order. Just tell me what you want and I'll get it made. But we had, you know, it was really that grassroots. It was three cookie recipes, about eight boys and Chef Cheryl and myself launching into a space that we had never imagined could have evolved for what it's become. Wow. That is wild. I love that you didn't even know how to like <laughs> take was, an order at that I point. Say, I never like, wrote a business plan and never will, honestly. And it's a part of my philosophy is expect change because putting all that work into something would have, for all the things that we've changed into, especially post-COVID, it would never have been what we had written down anyway. So we scripted every day. <laughs> I love a day, that. One day at a time. Absolutely. So you said it was about eight boys that started out. So to date roughly how many students? Well, so our model has significantly changed since we came into brick and mortar. So we we had good intent to keep that same model. But for four years in the GIF kitchen, we estimate about 120 kids came through for employment. So we're really proud about that. Um, It was really... 
um, exciting work and really hard work. So one of the things that we discovered um, with the, the age of the kids, um, certainly having kids believe that their life mattered to live long enough to do hard work, that was something that we were wrestling with is not every kid wanted to be in the kitchen. Just because you offer the job doesn't mean somebody wants to take it, right? Yeah. Uh, but you also have to understand the barriers that they're up against and what you know, we know to be true, you can get a lot of money on the streets doing other things. Um, you don't have the same value, you know, from it sometimes. But we really wrestled um, in the last year as we were kind of outsizing the space that Jeff was allowing us to operate in. Yeah, We were you know, moving our cookie cart to the corner and putting all the cookies under racks and trying to move out for their programming needs. And so it became this like, really stressful place of in holiday season we're using yeah yeah, spaces and we didn't need to pack up for the night and that's what kind of prompted me to say hey we could do this in a better location where we'd have more access to people and get their stories out Um, the intent was there I think the hardship is the reality is uh, even though we put the bakery we chose a location on the bus line you know Memphis has a very tough transportation schedule and so even though a couple of um, our groups would use the bus it takes a lot longer and you get burnt out you know we're not able to um have all of the same bells and whistles to kind of keep you on uh, and we also just learned the hardship of gang and violence so the year that we were building the bakery five kids died in various different situations that were all part of our employment plan and that became really heartbreaking for me personally wow. so i also began to feel this wrestling of like i just hurt too you know too much for some of the situations that i've been exposed to as a result of leaning in deep and i think uh, i've had to kind of measure my, and I guess I would say put some barriers up a little bit to protect some spaces is one of our last hires um, really compromised our space as well. So we just had to move in a different direction, um, unfortunately, because we felt like it was a little bit too tenuous to have um, a lot of volatility in a space where we really needed stability. Yeah. So, but one of the things that I'm really proud about what happened when we did build the brick and mortar is I went on hot pursuit to go find out about other social entrepreneurs and find out who people are what we call making products for purpose. So Thistle and Bee um, is a program that uses uh, women coming out of human trafficking and um, has a wonderful support system in place for those women, along with the program A Way Out. And both of those programs are phenomenal in their wraparound support. And so what we found was successful was offering employment in that way um, to women who were in their programs who already still had um, some time in the program to finish. And so we've hired three through the course of the three years that we've been open from their programs. And we say now we have an open line of employment. We want to still work with um, people who might need a part-time uh, position to learn work skills and try to get their feet on the ground. We just don't do it in the full in the full capacity, full capacity that, that we did at JIF that was yeah. only kids and you know only juvenile court. Absolutely. Wow. That's so inspiring and it makes me truly wonder, I guess we won't ever know until m- much later, the ripple effects of what all of that can be um, for our city and for these individuals, which is really exciting and provides a lot of hope. I know I feel like it had to uh, provide a lot of great lessons of working on a team that you know they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to to really yeah. get an understanding of. Well, and one of the things that we say, I think what's so different that we really build into our workplace is we care about you, the person. So we do have a system where you can clock in and clock out, but if you're late, you're not automatically fired. You know, we understand, especially when we were building out of the bakery at Jeff, 
I mean, there's a lot of things that come up in life. And when you work with anyone who's had any type of trauma, I mean, myself included, you yeah. sometimes just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You just don't feel good. And I think mental health is real. And I think that you um, need to have a place that a work can support that. And you've got to be able to um, make sure that your team supports that. So I think what we've really done a great job is started to pay attention to our fuller team. So we hire some great, excellent bakers and decorators. Um, uh, Liz is our lead cake design, um, and she's been in the business almost 25 years. And so we wow. brought on some young people who came in as baristas, and now they're the top designers, I think, in town under her leadership. So we have this balance of really top talent, but then um, young and needing a place to land and uh, or someone who's kind of not been as steady on their feet and had some issues. And the teams really blend well together because when we recruit you to our team, we come with a real care model. We say, like, we can hire you to do everything else here, but we can't hire you to be happy you know, to be here. So oh, we wow. say, yeah, that's hire true. For happy, and we, we work with everything else around that. But if you come with a negative outlook or if you come with, you know, I always say there's it's a no drama zone. I don't do drama at all. But you just you want to come to work to work, but you also want to come work to be supportive. And that model has worked really well. So when team members are sick or have something like life happen and funerals or sick kids, our team fills in for each other. And so it's it's it makes it very manic on some days and chaotic, but it makes it very supportive, which is the way work should be. Yeah, it sounds like you support with a lot of compassion. So. Yes, uh-huh. I try to. <laughs> Um, a few things that you said are interesting to me. So first, I wanted to hear about the journey to brick and mortar and the expansion that that meant for Sweet Lala, as it was not just cookies at that point, right? right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what year did the brick and mortar open? Brick and mortar was 2019. Oh, yeah, just ahead just, of, the, of the lovely. We, yeah, we were <laughs> feeling it. I mean, it was so amazing. I remember we crossed January 2020. We were looking at colleges for my son. I mean, our team was high-fiving. I mean, Valentine's was booming. We had yes. just crushed you know, our first holiday season. We were like, this. we're on the map, people. This you know, is you it. Felt it. Yes. Yeah. And then it was like, you must close your doors. <laughs> and oh, there was wow. just this. And then the whole world felt it. I yeah. mean, you just felt stunned. There was not any other, you just felt immobile and you didn't know what to do. Um, so I have, at the time, an amazing team again in place. And so the thing that we chose to do is just make some guarantees that right now, you know, we're in a position that we're going to keep you on board, and we think that this will all figure itself out at some point. And I have to a huge shout out to customers and how they were able to turn with this. I mean, you think about again the type of business that we were operating was lending itself for people to show up at your doorstep, and now we had to find a completely new model to say, "Come pick up and leave, and don't you know, don't stay." Everything that was inherently against the way I wanted it to be built, I was having to change, you know, overnight, and yeah. so. You know, the great thing was customers responded to the grab and go and big bulk takeouts. And obviously, we took cues from other restaurants um, to see where we might be able to make some changes quickly. And you know, just kind of had to ride the wave, honestly. Absolutely. And that was a long one. <laughs> yeah, it was qu- quite a long wave to have to ride. Yeah, um, but then something else you mentioned earlier about the model and the compassion that you have with your staff and the model that you have created is about the whole person and about keeping mental health at the forefront of all of that too and I think even in a post-pandemic world that is something that we're seeing a lot more of and it seems like you were kind of an early adopter for that which is lovely Um, but how has that kind of helped you already have your 
a handle on what that looks like. Yeah, I think with brick and mortar, the, the difference is, is you don't know when someone's walking through your doors what they're actually coming for. I, I always say I built the place for to be this happy spot and to be exciting and have birthdays and you know teach you how to make things in the kitchen. And some of the hardship is that people are coming in for like wildly different reasons. And it could be in what I've encountered is um, someone's you know trying to heal from cancer and remission and they're bringing, you know, themselves a treat or they're getting a treat for the people who've been taking care of them or along their neighborhood wow. and then you have um, several times of you know and if you and I always say this I, I love being in the store because you if you pay attention there's all sorts of moments that you can find that are happening but you have to pay attention to find them but you'll I'll walk it to the counter and someone looks really confused because unfortunately when my case was built I like put the, the cookies really low and so you can't see that we have cookies and everyone's very frustrated <laughs> <laughs> and it's just too expensive to change it so we've just had adapted with it but I can see like the frustration of like coming in there's so much to see in the store you're trying to figure out how to approach it and on a couple of times there's been a customer that seems really flustered and that what you find is that they're really struggling with something else that something's on their brain and they're not seeing you know clearly already mm-hmm. and you come around the counter and you're like hey let me walk you through what we've got let me talk about the flavors and then they just loosen up and then you all of a sudden like the story unfolds you know they've just come away from burying their daughter was one of the customers oh, that had wow. just said I, i'm trying to figure out like what to give all these people who've helped us with her funeral and you're thinking wow this is not at all the day that i was expecting no. either and you just hurt and i'm emotional uh, you know i hurt for people and i think that what i've loved is that um i'm finding some of our repeat customers come to us because we care and mm-hmm. we show that we from the very time we hire you we ask you to authentically pay attention to the customer you know we don't want the customer to feel ignored or feel like their um stop in didn't matter and sometimes, you know, we just want to be that moment in their day that really does make a difference. So the tagline is make life sweeter. And that's what we aim to do. We can't change your story. We can't change your situation. But we can sure make your day a little bit better. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is so precious. <laughs> I love that um, that empathy. And I yeah. can definitely see that it is authentic and true. Dear listener, um, if you were in the studio with us, you would feel this, this <laughs> empathy coming from Lauren right now. Um, so let's see. I wanted to talk about why Memphis. I think that's kind of obvious. Yes, I'd but say when you're kind of got all these family members planted deep and a grandfather who had such an impact on the story of Memphis, uh, it's kind of hard not to be in Memphis. But in Memphis has a draw. You know, you all know it. I mean, we did live in Nashville, and I have to say, anytime we cruise back through there on our way um, to East Tennessee, where we spend a lot of time, Nashville's not the same. I mean, Nashville <laughs> is not, you know, Memphis, and I wouldn't go back to Nashville, you know, yeah. at all because I loved when I lived in Nashville, it was this much more familiar space and it felt like home and it's so much more uh i guess progressive in a way that i I don't want to catch up with that progressive (laughs) (laughs) well thank you memphis appreciates that yes absolutely i I think um i really am spending this year teaching myself to slow down and i think that memphis allows you to do that memphis has a ton of progress taking place so i don't want to anyone to misinterpret what i'm saying (laughs) but you know, slow and steady is the right way to go about, you know, creating things. And so sometimes when you fire off a big idea too quickly, it's not going to work. And so I think if anything I've learned in the, the business that I've built is that 
it's a long time to see whatever you define as success. And maybe along the way you redefine what yeah. your original meaning for success was. And so I think Memphis has that capability and the people that I've met and the other business owners that have been really so um, helpful in building together, you know, something that's bigger than just their business is, you know, the way we brought on products in our store is my mantra is we uh, can rise together if we work together. And so somebody who I love, Shotwell's, Jared's amazing company, and Stephanie Upshaw, who has Bluff City Toffee, we're coming together to do a package for the holidays this season. But they, you know, they're not in the same positions where they don't need storefront, right? They need their markets and they can grow their products um, in wonderful and clever ways and stephanie does have a, a limited storefront but when you do one or two product lines it's much harder to attract everyone in so part of the model that we created was with uh bringing along the social enterprises and the local entrepreneurs is and then we provide the roof you know for yeah. all of that business to thrive and grow so hopefully all the people coming in from the hotels around us uh, are finding about memphis products in this most unique way because you're coming to the memphis sweet shop in town and that's what I wanted. I mean, it's we, people called me a little bit crazy that I was putting other sweets alongside of my cookies because obviously it feels a little bit competitive in that re regard. But yeah. I, there's so many good things in Memphis and so many strong businesses that I love them all to be together. There's no reason that we all can't be working in the same space if we, if we work the right way yes. together. Yes. No, absolutely. I think that's something that we say all the time, um, even in the nonprofit space, as I'm sure you're aware, is that like it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. Yes. And there's so many amazing organizations and people and individuals and entrepreneurs doing great work here in Memphis that it's not a competition. We can all thrive. There is space at the table for there all of is. us and yeah. all of our unique offerings. Well, and we say this all the time. Memphis is a huge city. So if you, and I respect it, if you live downtown, you don't come to my store. You know, <laughs> if you live in Midtown, you don't come to my store. If you live even like three miles from me, you might not come to my store. <laughs> but I respect that if I can, you know, thankfully through the the growth that I experienced through Curb Market um, and through uh, several local retailers when we were building out the brick and mortar, they allowed me to have a presence in their store. So it was so great that I could bring my cookies into other spaces. So that model helped me say, well, let's bring other cookies or other products into our spaces. And so we can help them all tell their stories. And what I found is it works out really well because now we're, we're being carried in Curb Market and City Silo and we're with the Women's Exchange, uh, and I'm missing, I know, a couple of other um, places, but we're kind of building out our framework. But we're also, we probably have about 16 to 18 retailers in our store that we're trying to carry. So we have Feast and Grays that we just launched their charcuterie yes. boards because they do great you Love know, that. food. Love that, And yes. we don't need to make boards. <laughs> you know, we want to <laughs> let people eat something that's savory and great, but they want to have that with their cookies. And so it's been a really good partnership to see some other great local companies be willing to come into our space, but it's perfect for them because they're a downtown location. We're, you know, at East Memphis location and we can cross. So now she's carrying our stuff, uh, cupcakes and cookies at her place. Yeah. So it's been, it's been neat to see that there's a crossover in business, and it's really making all of our businesses more accessible to people, which is what we want. It's also that pay it forward mentality about like what you so appreciated when it was done for you. Now you want to make sure that you carve out the space to do it for others, yeah. which I so appreciate as a consumer. It's right. uh, so nice to see and have that smorgasbord of things and opportunities at any of the different shops that I would shop at. 
Right. Downtown well, and East Memphis. Are, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so among those offerings actually is a couple of the services that you have now that you have a brick and mortar store. And one of those, Laura Beth actually utilized a couple of weeks ago. She had her daughter's uh, I did. Birthday. I had my daughter's sixth, birth, yeah. uh, sixth birthday the end of August. So it was lovely. It was easy to work with your team. And she wanted a mermaid theme. And uh, the cake was adorable. That's and great. Had about we f- love the parties up there. It's so much fun. And honestly, would like to have a work event up there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's used in dual ways that way. So I'd love for you to come do that. Because we. it's actually very funny to watch work events take place if they choose the party package that is cookie decorating. Because you get real competitive real quick. And you find out a lot about your coworkers. I could see that um, that would definitely like have some crossover in the like teamwork. Yeah. And the like, individuality. Mm-hmm. And the work ethic. And the focus. And all that different stuff. For that like. Sure comes out I would that's really funny but it was a, a, a loads of fun for uh, 14 yeah. of her closest friends <laughs> oh wow yes. yeah well and that's one of the great things when we you know we're so happy to see events come back right that's one of the key reasons we uh, chose the location that we're in for the, the it's a, such a large space it's a yeah. great event, event venue so we have um, the whole downstairs that can be rented after hours but the upstairs doesn't take us off task for our day-to-day things and so upstairs we're seeing the rentals come back but the parties are so fun because I my parents gave me free reign in the kitchen so I loved to destroy mm-hmm. a mixer and you know, eat cookie dough and all the things. And so we do baking camps in the summer. Gosh, we have all so sorts cute. of ways so that you don't have to mess up your kitchen. But Thank you. Can, you. Yes, <laughs> you know, bring your, your crew in and then have your own party. And then we redid the upstairs um, just off the conference room. So it feels a little bit more like a living room. Mm-hmm. And we've really seen uh, that used nicely with baby showers and wedding showers because people do feel like they're kind of in their living room at home, but getting to unwrap presents and things like that. It's, and people yeah. are crazy amazing with their decorations now. I mean, I'm in, I wish I could I always say I wish I could go back and get married to the same man, but I'd love to be able to do my wedding differently because it's all the Pinterest images. Mm-hmm. So when you go upstairs, you're thinking, wow, they have these balloon arches and big chairs to sit in. It's really fun, the props that people bring in for these showers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really comfortable. Yeah. yeah, It's a comfortable space. Um, we've also had a fellows welcome reception yes, downstairs. Right. The year I uh, started our fellows leadership program, the welcome reception was downstairs yeah. and it was great. Yeah, it's a great space. service, yeah. we like to say. <laughs> a little pre-pandemic party and then a post-pandemic party yes. that Laura Beth has well, been Well, we, we tried to do my daughter's birthday party last year um, at Sweet Lala's, but people were getting sick. School had started back and people were getting sick again. And yeah. This year, we're like, we're going to have it. But yeah, this year. It will not not be canceled. So it was great. Yes, that's awesome. That's precious. I love it. Um, So talk to me a little bit more about, so as we're coming into the holiday season, you mentioned that there was going to be a box. Yes. Okay. I'm so excited. So we uh, did a 901 Sweets box. So you've got six bagfuls of deliciousness. So it'll be two types of caramels that Jared's providing. It'll be... um, Stephanie's caramel popcorn and toffee and then some of our favorites in our sweet box is we call marshmallow poppers and those are just dipped in sprinkles and chocolate they're really yummy and then we have our crispy treats that people love our brown butter crispy treat is to die for so it's all cut into pieces so it's like a real nice shareable box for sending out to a family or if a corporate group wants to send it out to offices but we really felt this year uh, again, 
not wanting to compete with each other because what we also see in the corporate environment is you, know, you pick one over the other and I want to see us all work together. We, we all want to you know, survive the holidays together. Yes, absolutely. So we thought this year, um, obviously we have a lot of offerings and different types of boxes, but this year we were hoping this would be the fan favorite so that would benefit all of us. So I when is that going to be available? We just got photos, so we're probably <laughs> launching it in the next, I would say, week um, officially to those who are doing pitches, because typically most of us start talking to our corporate groups around September, October. Yes. So I would say in about a couple of weeks, some may say. actually see some photos and hear about it. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I can see some teacher gifts. Yeah, oh, so true. So true. I cannot believe that even though it's just like the second Labor Day comes and goes, it's like, all right, where are the pumpkins? Where, where, where are the lights? Where, where are the things? Even though I'm like still sweating to death Listen, walking to my car. I fight it all the time about putting things out too soon because I'm the one that like wants to savor every holiday. But when you run a retail business and you watch everyone around you have everything out already, it's like you have to just you go, have to you jump. Have to jump in you and have to jump put it too. out there. Oh. So, yeah, the, the pumpkins and... Oh, yes. Skeletons even are out at our store now. (laughs) Absolutely. It felt like it was just school supplies, and now it's like we're, I mean, if you go to Hobby Lobby, goodness, you're just moving right on to Christmas. They're just bypassing all the lovely fall things, and I do. And fall's so pretty. I love fall. I love fall. I love it so much. It is. And we'll be doing a lot of things with pumpkins, uh, spice lattes, and hopefully we'll bring back our pumpkin uh, muffin is the plan. And my team is really excited about the coffees. We have amazing coffee. What people, I will say the, the biggest surprise for me getting into this business is I had no idea that coffee was, I guess, legitimately good. You know, you have a lot of just, you know, bad coffee yeah. and whatever. And we have great coffee. And then we have a great team of people who just like to put things in it that make it taste so yummy. So we now have one that I drink weekly. It's this blueberry scone latte. And it just... It's perfect. It's perfectly named. It tastes just like what you would think it would taste. And it's fun because I did not expect to be in the sweets department with really fancy coffees, but we have really yummy, fancy coffees, which that's been a neat addition to our space. It's funny that you say that because Saturday, uh, the Saturday of my daughter's birthday party, um, a friend of mine who had brought her daughter asked me if she could get me a coffee. And I was like, oh, yes, please. Uh, I'll just an iced coffee with some almond milk. And she was like, you know, I don't drink coffee. Can you please be very specific? What if they ask me a lot of questions? I was like, it's just what, what if they ask me a just, lot of questions. It's just coffee with almond milk. I was like, iced coffee, almond milk. It's it'll be fine. And she came back up with it. She said they asked me a lot of questions. <laughs> so I hope you like it. Yeah, and it was delicious. It's true though, because what we found is there are like seven different milks, and some people want one pump of one liquid and one pump of another. So. Again, one of the challenges in having a business that everyone expects it to be done the exact same way every time, but then you have this creative talent that shows up that's like, oh, let me just add a little sprinkle of this. You're You'll like, no, love no, no. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Surprise me. Because then you have the customer who only likes the one person to make their coffee because they make it the exact way they need it. And then that person doesn't want to work 40 hours a week because it's a too trip. much. Because you know? figure. Yeah. 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 Not because they, they're just because they can't. They're students or whatever else. But it's funny. You're like, ah, we just got to get it exactly right. Let's stick to the recipe, people. <laughs> no, that's funny. The, the creative energy is definitely, um, I feel like I'm a creative by nature. Uh, being like a journalism major, I'm not like an artist, but at the same time, stuff is definitely different every time. And you just, it's, if the mood strikes you, I can definitely see how you'd be like, just, just try it, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's really sweet. Um, 
And actually, our friends over at Coffee Black, they were so funny. We talked to them um, about coffee as well. And they were like, it doesn't have to be this watered down, gross, like thing. It's actually an art to coffee making. And so it's exciting that I feel like you also were on that same journey of like, wait a second, there's actually really delicious, flavorful coffee. For sure. For (laughs) sure. That's awesome. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial style? So I know that you have talked about like the culture that you've cultivated and the brick and mortar store and the way that you've infused, you know, nonprofit, your love of stuff like that in with your love of baking. But can you talk a little bit about what that journey has been like for you personally? Sure. I think I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Yes, you come uh, by it, honestly. <laughs> my dad being one who I have now really come to celebrate uh, because he is a strong leader in our family space for all of his siblings as well, but just really took the helm when my grandfather had these big visions and then was like day-to-day details how we're going to get it done. <laughs> and I've realized that I am bigger ideas. So I have a hard time being in the present because I'm constantly thinking, oh, we could sell this or, oh, we could create this. And so what I'm trying to find and marry better is my ideas to the action because I can come up with a lot of ideas. And I think when you live in that heady space, people aren't following you. (laughs) They're not on the journey with you. And you're like, am I being unclear, you know, in your head? And so I've really been... um, I've been lucky to have a team member that just joined our team to help us with hiring and managing the front house. And she's constantly questioning, like, but why are we doing that right now? But why are we? And I realize it's because she's constantly saying, like, we're good right now. You know, we've got this going, so we don't need to add another extra. I'm constantly one that seems to add more to my plate. And I thrive a little bit in chaos, I believe. Uh, (laughs) So I'm trying to remember that some part of it is just really being still and paying attention to what's going on in the moment and being pay- paying attention to your team. And so if your team's having a hard time understanding your vision, you know, I need to get a clearer vision for it. And so I think we built, because of COVID in a lot of ways, we added so many product lines to our retail because you're like trying to figure out how do you make up mm-hmm. the difference of all this loss. Yeah. And so this is the year I'm either trying to explain why we have all these things in mm-hmm. the store and then the ones that are really stressful take away and the ones that are really booming and that we think that are supportive to the business lift up. And so I think from my entrepreneurial spirit is uh, is looking ahead at what's going to be in the next three years for our bakery and where are we going to live and what's the places that feel right for us. And some of that, you know, when we took on cakes and the really beautiful things that got the attention of our market last year, when people weren't getting out of the house in the same way, they're really stressful pieces to our business. So yeah. We kind of had a powwow with the team to say, okay, how do we dial back maybe our designs? They can do it, but it doesn't make financial sense sometimes for us to make certain cakes. Yeah. And so the balance of holding true to what the customer would like, but also holding true to what your business really can support has been um, a, a nice challenge <laughs> at times. Absolutely. But I'd say I'd like to look ahead, but I'm, I think in the entrepreneurial side, I want to learn how to be a bit more present because it is 
it's really fun to be in the store on a day-to-day. I mean, I say it's a bit of a manic a manic approach because there's one morning you're like, this is fabulous. I can't believe you created this. And then the afternoon, they're like, we're out of everything. We have nothing to serve. And you're like, how did we just run out of milk that fast? So you're like constantly circling the city for ingredients or something didn't arrive on the truck. But when you get it right, we get it right. And so we're trying to learn to celebrate that. <laughs> That's so interesting that um, that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> kind of mentality. It's um, 100% true. Mm-hmm. It's hard to temper that mm-hmm. when you're really excited <laughs> about right. all that you can do. Well, and I am wired to say yes. So I really hate disappointment. I hate when we do get it wrong. We do get it wrong. I mean, we are human and we have a human system in place. And there are times that something gets missed and you're just, you know, yeah. you're at a loss. You're like, I don't know how we missed it. And I'm so sorry. But that that feeling I feel from the counter when that person is there wondering how in the world you missed their order. I mean, for the thousands of orders that we do, you know, we've missed a few. Yeah. And you just like, how can you make it right? So there's some things like that that you um, have to slow down to make sure you put the systems together again. So, yeah. you know, that's been a learning curve for us. And we love customer feedback. We'd like for you to be really nice when you give it. <laughs> um, but there's, it's great yeah. when a customer says, hey, the cake tasted dry or, hey, this, you know, didn't come out the way that I thought. And we've adapted. So we have recipes that are meant to be tweaked or some timers that need to be set back because we don't uh, need to overcook it. So it's yeah. been great. I, I appreciate feedback in the most constructive ways. <laughs> in kind ways. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. From a growth, yeah, for, from a growth yeah. mindset. If you're, yeah. yeah, if you're giving feedback to make sure that it is better not just to be cranky. Right, <laughs> right. Well, because we're a team that wants to get it right. I mean, yeah. we really stand by quality. So just because we do some great things in the store and work with great people doesn't mean we want to have lousy food. I was always, I used to say, wanted to run a video while people would take a bite of my cookie. I'd go out and before we ever had brick and mortar, but we'd go out to pop-up shops. And I remember when uh, Crosstown was open, we came out with a big um, trailer style, you know, pop-up and we're, giving cookies and samples and you'd watch that first person kind of like, no, you know, I don't want to eat a sample and you're like, no, no, just try it. And they would take that first bite and you're just like, yeah, their mind is blown. Yes. The cookie is good. The cookie is supposed to be good. And, you know, because ours are soft and delicate yes. and we, you know, some, some uh, companies have given them the wrong name, you know, because they're not as, you know, they're too crunchy or too whatever, but we stand by our quality. And I think that's a important part of our business too. Absolutely. Um, what is one thing that you wish the average Memphian knew about Sweet Lala's? That's a tough one. Because there's, <laughs> I, I honestly can probably sum it up is that we're trying. You know, I really <laughs> have learned so much in a business that I had not intended would be this difficult, uh, you know, especially in the post-COVID season. But the lines of business, I mean, to get your cookie in the case, you know, you've got to predict how many people are going to walk in. Maybe somebody decided last minute to buy four dozen, you know, somebody else called ahead and called, you know, had those four dozen made or somebody said, hey, in three days, we're doing a big celebration. We need 200 cookies. Like we are trying to fulfill your order. And there are some reasons that are very explainable, but we can't, you know, that we just like some, some team member went out, especially with the way that the quarantine was making you stay out for days. I mean, there was just things that we were double timing. And I think what I learned is I could not exhaust my team. You know, I wanted them to say yes to every order. And then the reality was, is that there's just not enough days in the hour to sometimes put that together or because 
you know, life happens and you burn a tray or you break, uh, you know, the tray flips over on the backside. They used to happen all the time. We'd use these little short trays. And then the t- cookies would, you know, you didn't know they were on the rack. And you'd push another tray into them and they'd all fall on the backside. Oh, so you have to start no. from scratch. So oh, I'd think, be in tears. Oh, there's, oh gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of tears. I would be in tears. <laughs> but, you know, there's things like that happen. So we're trying. I think that that's what um, Memphis needs to know. We, we're trying a business model that is built on compassion. We want people to come into our store to feel like they matter, authentically matter, that we want to celebrate with you, we want to grieve with you, and we want um, to have our employees kind of believe in like the small business again. Like it's really fun when people know you by name and have your order memorized or have a you know little chit chat about your family. Like that's those Make are the little details. Feel special. Yeah. yeah, the little details that I grew up with, and I remember those candy shops when I got to, you know, walk around and see all things. And I, I just want to hopefully create a little bit of a generational change in that way that people um, can come around the table for conversation and good food and make the community better. Um, you already talked about your box that's going to come for the holiday yes. season. But what are some other things that we can expect from Sweet Lala's in the future? So whether it's your hopes for the next couple of years or whether you have actual plans and pen to paper that you would like to share. Yes, we we have product plans. Okay. I don't think that we have any real expansion plans other than just trying to reach new markets because we think that our product has um, a decent shelf life. So we'd like to add about four to five more retailers so that we can be kind of around the city and and we're working on our gift boxing. I think that'll be, and what I'm seeing come to life already is we have these three great shelves that one's marked uh, Memphis uh, made, and then one's marked Mission made, and the other's marked Southern made. And so we organize our shelves that way. But people are shopping the shelves and putting together in gift baskets or gift boxes. And I love that because to me, then you're really out everywhere. I mean, we, we have shipped to all uh, 48 states, and that's been kind of fun to see when those holiday orders come in and corporate groups are sending us out all over the place. Um, we've been lucky to you know have some pretty cool uh, touches in the world. So yeah. I think that the gift boxing is something that I'd love for people to know more about, that we are a great place where you can lift up lots of businesses and give local but That's give so you know, yeah. across the world <laughs> if you want to. A little taste of Memphis, yes, no matter where they are. Absolutely. That's really sweet. So how can listeners follow along or participate in the work that you're doing? Well, I'm very excited. There is, I guess, something new that I wasn't thinking about to answer you. I am working on adding more of a blog style to the bakery. And those who might know me or follow me personally, I tend to take a photo of what's happening in my life and then just talk out loud about it and kind of make a moment out of it. So, uh, and as I referenced in the beginning of the program, we have these encounters with people that are really special to me and I think are important to share. So I'm working with um, a very talented writer that's helping me evolve my writing because I'm a writer at heart and I feel like COVID kind of stunned me in my writing. So yeah. I've kind of picked it back up for the bakery. So we're going to have some neat things that'll be rolled out kind of in a monthly while, well, a monthly style. And then we'll also hopefully have a newsletter that people can know about our new products coming out and have a bit more of a live look our our website was pretty static and we didn't have a lot going on there but we've revamped it hopefully that will be launched here within the next two to three weeks and then along with that will be some of my voice alongside of the bakery voice um, voices that we've encountered 
Um, okay, so our last question. That um, do you have any more questions, Laura Beth? Sorry. I, no, I think I'm good. I, I just wanted to note how you know in baking it seems like you know it's very scientific, but you also have to be very patient when you bake. And so, just I felt like I heard a lot of that patience coming through. So, mm-hmm. just to call that out. But yeah, and baking really is such a metaphor. Honestly, you can pull so many things out, and that's what's part of the little blog post that I'll be writing about, or just. If you look around, I mean, it, something like a timer or a scale or something like a layer cake, There's, it's complex. You know, mm-hmm. if you take it back into what life is teaching you when you're um, making a cake, I always laugh because I used to say cakes were such a disappointment. You know, I used to try them, but it was because I didn't know how to bake a cake professionally. So I was always approaching the cake with a lot of timid, you know, and that's why things fall apart pretty quickly. When you're timid, you know, you can't get it right. But I mean, I've watched our expert design team. I mean, they can manhandle a cake and all of a sudden you're like, yes, that's how you do cake, you know? And so it's really fun. And I kind of, in this you know little post, it's, it's not about the cake. It's about the person working with the ingredients. And so if you can really do a lot of introspection to your own life and work on yourself and work on improving your day, then everything else does fall in place. That's sweet. Um, So my last question that we do like to ask is, what does being a Memphian mean to you in one word or one sentence? I got to say it, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's an easy word for me, but Memphis is just, it will have a tender spot always for me. And it's just a sweet place that um, raised me I was, you know, kind of raised in this wonderful bubble of family that cares for each other and loves for each other. But I think um, it needs a dose of more sweetness, too. You know, it's not overly sweet. It's just kind of perfect. But I think you can't have enough more added to our town. And I think we're finding some great talent um, that's lifting all the right parts of Memphis up again and making sure that we focus on, you know, how we make Memphis be the place that everyone loves. And for me, it's just adding a little dose of sugar to that. (laughs) What a sweet treat. Um, So thank you so much for joining us in the studio today, Lauren. It it has been a sweet treat for us to get to talk to you a little bit more about everything. Um, So where can our listeners find you? Are y'all on your website, Instagram? Well, website, you can order online. We are now Grubhub. You can order through Grubhub. And we have um, our retail markets are Miss Cordelia's and Curb Market and City Silos, both locations. all limited things. We don't have, of course, the full supplies there, but we're at Coffee Central in South Haven, and we are in Women's Exchange. And hopefully we'll be back in High Point soon. Ah, love it. And then you can stop by their brick-and-mortar shop in East Memphis as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. 6150 Poplar, Suite 118. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Well, until next so time. Much. Thank you. Yes, Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, what a lovely conversation, Laura Beth. I feel like I learned definitely a lot more about her and her journey, but also her passion. I feel like that just really comes through for how empathetic she really is towards Memphians of all walks of life. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was a good it was a good little refresher on how to go about your everyday life. Just listening to her talk about her passion for her business and in the community and uh, her love of Memphis, and so it was nice, nice little 
She nice also, little refresher. Yeah, she also had some really good kind of leadership advice. I think that she didn't like maybe set out to say mm-hmm. that it was leadership advice, but I took it that way. A lot of the way that she has kind of structured her business and put her customers first, making sure that their mental health um, is put at the forefront, and then also her outlook on just happiness and how you can't make somebody be happy to be at work, but mm-hmm. we can fix all the other stuff. We can train everybody for everything else we need to do. Um yeah. All sorts of little leadership nuggets kind of all throughout. Which I know. I caught that, too. It was great. I really appreciate. Um, so, again, if you had just changed the dial we are and just now joining us, you're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. We are New Memphis, a local leadership development nonprofit that offers our community a full spectrum of leadership development programs and we believe that our city's biggest asset is its people you um so if you would like to learn more about our leadership development programs and our community engagement events you can head over to newmemphis.org and we always have something going on uh we just wrapped up a few weeks ago our first level up mid-south leadership summit and sold out. It was sold out. It was a great time. Um, everybody who was there, I think, had a really good time. And we, it, everything really went off without mm-hmm. a hitch. So we could not be more excited that that is, that it happened and that it is now over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inaugural. Um, so, uh, yes. TV deal so, next year. <laughs> yes. Um, we have a couple other things coming up, one of which is our Memphis 101 on September 27th at the at Mosh, I think Mosh. it's Museum of Science and History. Mm-hmm. Formerly, Form- yes, Pink Palace. Formerly Pink Palace, um, as us Native Memphians will know. And that's presented by Regional One Health. Absolutely, so thank you yes. Big thanks to them. Um, I really love that space for Memphis 101. I think it's a really unique opportunity to kind of be stadium style and have the presenters up front. It really is an, a, a unique way to experience it and then learn more about our city in the process. Mm-hmm. That's great. We will also have an upcoming panel discussion on downtown on Thursday, November 10th, and that will be at the Hilton Memphis. So stay tuned for more information about that coming up. We are partnering with uh, Downtown Memphis Commission for that, and we have some amazing sponsors for that as well. Um, And then we just announced the applications for TEDx Memphis speakers at our Level Up Summit at the end of August. So we are excited to make that application public. This year's theme is Truth or Dare. Because courage looks different for everybody, but it's something we're all called to display at some point or another. TEDx Memphis Truth or Dare will explore bravery through the lens of the classic party game we all experienced in childhood. We might not have realized it then, but the heart-pounding sensation when your turn was called was your first step into the unknown. Those tiny steps forward propelled your thinking and now impact your daily decisions. Whether you're choosing to venture into vulnerability of truth or exploring a daring new opportunity, how will you show your bravery? Join us at TEDx Memphis Truth or Dare to be inspired to make a leap forward. So you can head over to newmemphis.org or tedx-memphis.com for applications. If you have an idea about a truth or a daring opportunity that you would like to share with our community, Applications um, are live through October 7th. That is the deadline, October 7th, for TEDx Memphis applications. And then 2023 TEDx Memphis will be held at Crosstown Theater on February 11th. So we are already counting down. I know from one thing to another, it feels like there's no rest for the weary sometimes, Mm. but we wouldn't have it any other way. Mm -mm. Keep Keep it going. Keep it coming. I love it. So until next week.
Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.